on this episode of In The Rack Podcast. Cardio can absolutely hurt your muscle gains. It absolutely can. If you do too much and the wrong stuff. But it can also enhance it if you do the right amount. So it's kind of like the Goldilocks principle. You're looking for that just right amount. So if you can figure out what one, what works for you, but also don't surpass. What you got? Welcome to In The Rack Podcast, where we provide you with a practical framework for breaking PRs in all facets of health and wellness. We are just a couple of bros giving you the simple hows in a world of complex wants. No filters, no scripts, no rules, just straight talk. Talk to them. Now, let's get into the rack with your hosts, Dr. Chad and Dr. Nick. All right. Welcome to episode 12 of In The Rack Podcast. I'm your host, Chad, and with me is my co-host and fellow physical therapist, Nick. Today, we have a interesting topic to talk about, and it's a topic that Nick knows a lot about, but I don't know too much about, or not as much as I should anyways. It's the topic of cardio, and specifically, catabolic cardio question mark? <laughs> That's Will the big it hurt question. your gains? Will it hurt your gains if you're trying to gain muscle? We talked a little bit about this on the last podcast, introducing it, but for all of you that know me, you know that cardio is definitely not my thing. I despise cardio. And yeah, arch nemesis. Yeah. I'm like Amy from the movie Pitch Perfect. If any of you guys <laughs> have ever seen that Pitch Perfect movie where she says, don't put me down for cardio. I'm all about that horizontal running. That That's me. That's that's pretty much me to a T. Nick, on the other hand, that kid could run all day. He's just got nothing. I don't, but know, I don't know about running all day, but I do I do mix it probably a little too much cardio at times. But, you know, I, I like to I like to sweat a little bit and I like to get my heart rate up. Absolutely. Nice. But, you know, with that being said, let's let's talk about this is what's what's the deal is is cardio going to hurt our gains if we're trying to build muscle? All right. So before I answer that question, <laughs> I want to tell a little story. Sorry. I like this story. Tell me that first. It gets, it gets me in it. So this week, um, I had my fast again. I know I mentioned that a couple of podcasts ago and it was Tuesday. I did it Tuesday because the holiday on Monday. And this week, Chad made a big step forward. He started using glass Tupperware up to this, up to this point, he was using plastic for years. So we got him to finally use glass and he comes in with his glass Tupperware. I've been using glass Tupperware for a while. And our Tupperwares are the exact same size, different lid. We had slightly different lids. His was navy, mine was royal blue. They were still so blue, though. In the blue family, Chad might be a little and, and they were both round, by the way. Yes, both round. They're, they're the same exact shape. shape. Same exact shape. They're both four cup size and um, just different lid. Different brand, too, but different lid was the big thing. And I had my meal ready to go for 6 p.m. after 24 hours of fasting. So I'm, I'm getting excited. It's, it's 2 o'clock. You know, a couple hours left. I'm deep into it. And Chad's like, hey, Nick, can I can I talk to you for a minute? We go in the private dream room, have a little conversation. And I'm looking at him. I can't even focus on what he's saying because I'm looking. I'm like, man, that looks like my food. <laughs> and he's just chomping away while he's talking, mouth full. I'm like, man, we have the same, we must have the same meal today or something. So I was like, I got to check this out. So after we were done with our meeting, I go to the fridge. Yeah, he took my food, my 6, my 6 p.m. meal. And his food was still tucked in the back of the fridge. So he just took mine by accident because they were both in glass Tupperware. Needless to say, he ate my my turkey meal, um, but I got to eat his ground beef later on at six. So thank you, Chad, for letting it me all worked enjoy, out. We all got our meal. macros in. Everybody yeah. was. Happy oh yeah, we eat the about day. the same protein, so we didn't have any any protein <laughs> detriments. But um, it was it was pretty fun. I mean, it does make sense now that I was thinking about it and I was eating that food. You weren't listening to a 
damn word I was saying. I was just staring at the food. I was like, he said he's got sauerkraut. I got sauerkraut today. Oh, man. It was good, though. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah, you know, yeah, no problem. <laughs> yeah, yours was great. Yours was delicious. Yeah. We should switch more often. I think we should do that. That could be a thing. Oh, man. Okay, so let's start with this. So it's the the question is, can we still build muscle while doing cardio? And I know Nick and I both have two different experiences with this. You know, Nick does a ton of cardio. I don't do a whole lot of it, yet we both still build muscle. So what's the deal? So the the answer to this, I know everybody always wants a straight answer. It, this one's really nuanced, right? So cardio can absolutely hurt your muscle gains. It absolutely can if you do too much and the wrong stuff. But it can also enhance it if you do the right amount. So it's kind of like the Goldilocks principle. You're looking for that just right amount. So if you can figure out what one, what works for you, but also don't surpass these limits that have been shown in the research. Other people have shown us, you know, of doing too, what is too much. If we don't surpass that, it can actually help, you know, it can, it can magnify your, your muscle gain. So you can use it as a, an assistance, as an aid, or it can become a crutch. So yes, it can hurt your gains. It can decrease the amount of muscle you're able to put on, but it doesn't have to. And I will say that if, you know, anyone listening knows Chad, knows what Chad looks like, he's the guy to talk to if your goal is to put on muscle, okay? And that is specifically build muscle mass, gain muscle hypertrophy, talk to Chad, right? Don't talk to me. I have put on a good amount of muscle in the past couple of years, but yes, I do more cardio. I'm a basketball player by trade. I still love to 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 play basketball and basketball as as much as it does have power based movements and, and and you need strength. Um, it is very much a cardiovascular activity. Um, obviously, it's different. It's up and down. You're 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 running faster, slower, sprinting, jogging. So there's different variations of of cardiovascular endurance needed. But nonetheless, that's that's where where my heart lies a lot of times. So I always feel like I got to keep it in there every week. Yeah. And it's, it's like you said, it's, it's all goal dependent, right? Like I don't really care to go on the basketball court and play basketball. Like those days are over for me. Actually, I never played basketball, but (laughs) (laughs) the days of me being on the rink are gone. So, you know, my goal is to, yeah, be able to maintain, but I, I still love, I'm, I'm bodybuilder at heart. So that's just my thing. You know, Nick likes to be an athlete and he still wants to build muscle and, and, you know, he has to program appropriately for that. So that's, that's just how it goes. And and that's my, my big thing too. When people ask, oh, well, cardio hurt my muscle. Well, it could, but also if we don't do any cardio, like if we fear cardio, well, we're also leaving some just overall fitness on the table, right? We're not, we're not maximizing that. And if you increase your overall fitness, that puts your body in a better position to enhance your muscle growth over the long term. So that's a big thing. But anyway, let's start with the history. We like to get into some history. Where did this whole concept come from? There was a study back in 1980 that they took... I think I think this was the first one. There there may have been some before that, but this is the big one that after this, bodybuilders across the globe were, nope, no more cardio, no more walking up and down the stairs. I'm taking the elevator because this study showed that your hypertrophy, your muscle hypertrophy, your muscle growth will be hurt if you do cardio. But if you look at the study, they took they took one group who resistance trained five days a week, and then the other group they had them resistance trained five days a week, and six days a week they did endurance training for 30 to 40 minutes of steady state. That is absolutely too much unless you're an MMA fighter. And even then you wouldn't want to do six days of steady state. You probably want to keep it down to one to two. And then the other days are, you know, high intensity, different types. And we'll get into that in a minute. But six days of steady state, that's that's going to hinder your gains. Absolutely. That's that's essentially taking a marathon runner and saying, hey, do five days of, of strength training. 
it's going to help that marathon runner running, but it's not going to let them gain muscle mass. Have you ever seen a marathon, a good marathon runner that's, that's yoked? Absolutely not. Right. So if we're trying to gain muscle, that's the goal. We're not, we shouldn't be doing steady state cardio for six days. So that was the study that really people saw that they saw the headline and they were like, Whoa, no more cardio for me. No more walking longer than 10, 15 minutes. I got to park close to wherever I'm going, but they, you know, we didn't see the fine print, but if you look at the fine print of that study, way too much cardio for trying to gain muscle. So then there were more studies after that, that did dial it down a little bit. There was one 2013, actually, that was 45 minutes of steady state, but it was only for two days of the week. And they separated resistance training on that same day by six hours. So they did cardio in the morning for 45 minutes. And then six hours later, they did the resistance training. And this one actually almost doubled the cross-sectional area and the volume of the quads, which is pretty cool because if we give the body time to recover, recuperate from the endurance training, well, then we can actually enhance the growth. Okay. So we're fine. We're getting into that, that Goldilocks principle. So we increase that aerobic capacity, which is then going to increase your body's ability to recover. So now your body can improve that, that, you know, growth stimulus with the resistance training, improve the growth hormone, testosterone, all that kind of stuff. The, the endocrine function enhances. So you get an enhanced growth response in the muscles, which is pretty cool. So We'll talk more to as this podcast goes on, but separating your, you know, quote unquote cardio and your resistance training is best. So if you have that in your schedule, split it up. If, if muscle growth is truly the goal, split it up by days, you know, do, do your, your, your cardio, especially your steady state on a rest day, that's going to actually enhance your recovery to some extent. And that will improve the muscle, you know, the growth response in the muscles on the actual days you're lifting and doing some resistance training. Those, you know, those, those studies have become more refined as years have gone on, as opposed to that first study that was, you know, six days a week of, you're basically just taking both the, the, the long distance runner and the bodybuilder and pairing their schedules together and saying, Hey, you, this group do all that. And then this group just, just do one, one of the, uh, one of the groups. So pretty, pretty crazy that that was the design, but Hey, it was 40 years ago. Yeah. I mean, I think we've come a long way we in the last 40 years. Way, for, but, sure, for sure. <laughs> I did want to kind of talk a little bit about, I mean, you brought up the whole marathon runner. You ever seen a yoked up marathon runner? And that's the truth. I've never seen that. But why do we see sprinters that are all jacked up out of their mind? What's that about? So that's another conversation for another podcast. But I, I think it is worth talking about because they are two different forms of cardio, but it impacts the body differently, right? So I'm... Um, you know, not to go down the whole rabbit hole of, of muscle fibers and how that works, but just to give you a quick, you know, summary of, of muscle fibers, we have two different kinds of muscle fibers in the body. We have slow twitch and we have fast twitch muscle fibers. And the slow twitch muscle fibers, they'll usually call those type one muscle fibers, are the ones that are usually used in those marathon runners. Those guys are using that thing all day long. You know, they're using the energy systems they can to to really, really take the full benefit of getting the most out of their body during that time because they're getting some good oxygen in their body, right? So uh, they can use those slow twist muscle fibers for the long distance runs. Now the sprinters, those guys are so explosive and fast that they're really, really harping on their fast twitch muscle fiber system, which is, you know, it's great. Uh, but it's it's short-lived. And that fast-twitch muscle fiber system is the system that's really the most beneficial for hypertrophy. And you'll see that in a lot of these sprinters. 
that are just totally jacked out of their mind. You're like, how is this possible? These guys are doing so much cardio. Well, that's why, because they're tapping into a different system. So when these guys are using whatever it is, two, three minutes plus, you know, they're they're really, really tapping into all their energy storage, glycogen storages and all that and depleting everything that they can to be able to finish that, that long distance run. So uh, just know that there is a difference in the types of cardio that you're doing and you're also using two different types of fibers to be able to make that happen. So we use something here called uh, blood flow restriction, which just kind of got me on the topic of kind of biohacking the body into tricking the body into thinking that it's it's utilizing its fast twitch muscle fibers when it's really not, right? Because it's not long distance at all. But what we're doing is we're creating an anaerobic environment. So we're taking all the oxygen out of the muscles. We're, we're reducing the blood flow, right? So what ends up having to happen is those muscles have to recruit other muscle fibers to help complete the movement. And how it does that is it, it engages that fast twitch mu- muscle fiber system. So it's almost biohacking in the body into thinking that it needs to recruit all these this other help, right? So um, just a little food for thought. And and your body will try to, it's always taking the path, path of least resistance. So if it can get through an activity without engaging these fast twitch, because the fast twitch, it's, it's, you know, energy intensive for the body. So if they can get through an activity without engaging the fast twitch, it won't. So the best ways to turn on those fast twitch fibers are to do something really fast, right? Either move your body or an external load really fast or move something really, really heavy. So your body has to generate that tension and build up and turn those, those fibers on. Um, but I like that you brought the sprints because that is, um, one of my favorite things to do. And actually that's a form of cardio I do. So I'm not just doing steady state all the time when I'm doing, you know, the cardio and let's talk this now. Cardio the is a term that actually turns a lot of people off because when you hear cardio, we're conditioned to think running, cycling, or swimming, probably like those three things, but really the overall umbrella term of conditioning, conditioning the body has way more than just the steady state. The steady state is what, what Chad was just talking about, tapping into that aerobic system, longer duration, keeping the heart rate, you know, kind of more moderate level for extended periods of time. Whereas conditioning overall has a huge, you know, list of, of what it is. It's not just that, that long steady state. Now you could be getting into, you know, interval training where you get a heart rate up a little bit and then you bring it back down and how quickly you can bring it back down is a good indication of your fitness level. You know, you could do something like um, where you're biasing those fast twitch fibers from a conditioning perspective, something like explosive repeats. So you take something like a jump or a kettlebell swing, something uh, fast, aggressive, heavy that you're doing for eight to 10 seconds. And then you take, you know, minute to two minutes off in between. So you let those fast twitch fibers recover. So conditioning encompasses much more than just running, cycling, and, and swimming for extended periods of time. So sprints are awesome. And sprints are great um, to add in to build power, to build those fast twitch. Um, and speaking to, to which I was just talking about, about the sprinters, why do you see so many of them jacked? Um, a lot of these sprinters, especially at the Olympics in the last one to two decades, have been crediting the advancements in the weight room with their increased ability to sprint faster, sprint harder, um, because now they're doing things in the weight room to um, be an adjunct and to complement what they're doing, how fast they can run, all that kind of stuff. So it's really cool to see that and see this, this world of conditioning growing. And as opposed to, you know, 40 years ago when that first study was done, it was just the two different worlds. It's like, oh, you either run or you either lift and you're just there. They can't be, you know, mixed in any way. Yeah, that's way. a good point. So now that we're seeing them mixed is cool. One more thing I wanted to drop in there with the sprinting is that what was really cool was there is one study, let me just scroll and find it here, that they did 
both young and older men. And they showed that they just had them do, they were untrained. So, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about people who don't have the background. So they're going to gain something most likely in whatever they're doing. And they did exercise on a stationary bike. I forget, I didn't write down how many days a week it was, but they did for 12 weeks. And actually both groups increased cross-sectional area of the quads. So there was some signs of muscle hypertrophy with just a cycling workout. So what would be considered an endurance workout. But what was really cool about this in the older men, their average age was 74 years old. They actually had a hypertrophy of their type two, their fast twitch fibers, which is awesome because now we're talking in a group that probably isn't doing any sprinting anymore. They're probably not doing many fast movements at all. Something like a new program that has some low-level endurance training, even that can stimulate their type 2 fibers, which is great because now that's a great way to start them and move them towards some resistance training. Start them there. You don't have to start them lifting weights right away if they haven't done that. And then that can be a way to tap in. So that's a good indication that your conditioning, your endurance training, your cardio, whatever you want to call it, provides the base for everything else. It provides the base for your fitness. So adding it in to some extent or doing it every once in a while is a good way to keep that base, that foundation nice and strong, as opposed to if we just say, oh, I just want to build muscle. I'm never doing this again, or at least until I build my muscle, you know, you can lose some of that foundation. So now if you're trying to build that muscle on top of an unstable or a weaker foundation, well, one, we might lose it a little bit as time goes on or lose it more quickly, or you're running the risk of injury. So um, or higher risk of injury. You're always, there's always, you're never going to get rid of a, um, you know, the inherent injury risk, but you might make yourself more fit and resistant or resilient to, you know, injuries along the way. So that's pretty cool as well. That, that, that is, you know, an aspect of this whole, you know, will it hurt my gains type of type of question. Yeah. And I think it's also worth kind of talking about why that actually happens. So we did talk about the, the two types of fibers, slow twitch and, and fast twitch and, how they respond and, and, you know, one's more geared towards, you know, hypertrophy and the other one more endurance or explosiveness and endurance. So let's talk more about like, why, why does this catabolic, you know, pathway happen? Like what, what's going on here? And I think it's, it's important to note that it's like Nick was saying, it's, there's so many variables that are involved here in terms of, of why this happens. And, you know, like for example, your sprinters, because it's a different form of cardio, it's not the steady state cardio, um, this body doesn't have to take other forms of energy to keep up with the cardio demands that the body's kind of giving it, right? So for example, if you're running long distance and you need extra energy, your body has to, like you were saying, Nick, the body has to find the path of least resistance. resistance. How is it going to create enough energy to make sure that we can finish that race? Well, it has to find other forms of energy in your body, and that's called glycogen, right? Where else can we find that glycogen? Well, our muscles have a good storage of glycogen. That's where it pulls the glycogen from to get the energy. What ends up happening is as you start losing this glycogen storage, your body will actually secrete other hormones. You know, this is kind of going off topic, but it is worth mentioning because this becomes a cascade event in the long term. Because if you're the type of person that's overtraining or doing tons of cardio, because again, like you were saying, Nick, it's the language. Everybody thinks that cardio is like, 30 to 45 minutes of steady state cardio. And, and it's not that all depending on your goals, right? But in terms of the muscle building aspect, the 30 to 45 minutes of cardio has been shown to be 
you know, steady state cardio has been shown to be more catabolic than it is anabolic, right? So what ends up happening is, is as your body secretes these hormones, because it's trying to get all of this glycogen storage from your body, a specific uh, hormone called cortisol is secreted. And then, then this is, this is called your stress hormone. This is the hormone that's like involved in, you know, not only your, your blood pressure, but also your uh, digestive system, immune system. So now you can be even more prone to getting sick and, and everything else. So that, that all has to do with recovery. So now you're not recovering in between sessions. And then again, it just creates another cascade of events, which is, is also going to create a catabolic event at the same time. Yeah. And that's why we have to find the right amount, because if you're doing too much, that's what's going to happen is your, your cortisol is going to be spiked for too long, right? It's going to stay elevated, all this kind of stuff. So we cort, spiking cortisol is not a bad thing as long as we're not doing it for, you know, too frequently, too, too, too long a time. So if your body spikes it and then it comes back down, you actually get better at managing it. So adding it in to some extent, and that's, you know, what Chad was saying without saying it because he didn't want to actually say, he didn't want to admit that. <laughs> Um, he didn't want to admit it, but what he's saying is, is you can actually help your body kind of fine tune that process of managing those hormones by having variety, right? If we have no variety, it gets really good at managing the one, you know, group of hormones type of thing or the one hormone spike. But then once the other one spikes, the body, you know, it has to now figure that out because it's not used to it. So adding the variety, but again, you can do too much. And I, like I said, I admit I am, I, I fall prisoner to doing too much at times you know but my body usually tells me i pay you know pretty decent attention to to the the signs and symptoms so i usually make a change and that goes and you know just for for your listeners out there that that might be wondering um chad and i both lift i mean chad probably six days a week right yeah yeah About seven, five average. or six yeah um i'm i like to be five sometimes four now, what I'll do is I'll usually sprint one to two times a week or some variation of sprinting. And then I'll do, so I like to lift Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday during the week. I'll do some form of, you know, steady state or something like that. It could be more, more moderate intensity where I'm doing, you know, some, some slight interval type stuff. Uh, that'll be Wednesday. And that'll kind of be my rest recovery day. This will, this will help kickstart that, you know, it's going to impede recovery to some extent during that, but as time goes on, my body gets used to that, that schedule and that type of activity. It's actually going to enhance it long-term. Yes. In the short term, it can impede it for sure, but long-term your body gets used to it. You can do both. And then I'll try to, on the weekend, I like to, you know, lift on one day. And then the other day I'll either do total rest and maybe go for a walk, which for some people walk could be considered cardio, but like go go for a walk. (laughs) Um, or I will do some light, um, you know, cardio, or even I love to mix in kettlebell complexes, stuff like that, where heart rate might stay steady, um, or it, it, it spikes up and down, you know, but I mix that in. Um, so the sprints one to two times a week, the steady state once, maybe two, and then some other form one other time. And sometimes I get carried away because, you know, I am who I am, but, um, I have been in schedules where I've done six and six, where I've done six days of cardio plus six days of lifting. That was a little crazy. Just had to try it. Had to see what would happen. Didn't feel very good. I'll be honest with you. And with that, I would say in our current society where people are overly stressed, they're overworked, they, they're overly sympathetic, people don't sleep well enough, people eat like crap. In the state of, of our current lives, you, we have, you haven't earned the right to, to do endurance six days a week and strength. Some people on this earth have. Some people have. Some of your elite level MMA fighters, 
triathletes, those people have probably earned the right to do that. But they're also crushing their rest and recovery. They're crushing their nutrition. Their lifestyle is set up in that way. Their environments are set up in that way, right? They don't go out on the weekends. They don't, they don't go out for drinks. They don't do that stuff because their goals are specific. And there's one guy, um, Fergus Crawley. He's, I think he's from the UK, but he just a couple weeks ago completed what they're dubbing as the 1212. So he, in the morning at like 3 a.m., he, he's a power lifter by trade, but he got into Ironmans. So he, three in the morning between squat, deadlift, bench, he lifted 1,200 pounds. I don't remember what his breakdown was, but after that, immediately after that, he went and ran a sub 12 hour Ironman, which is pretty insane. So in the year he was training for that Ironman, he was able to increase the, the weight on his three main lifts all while training endurance probably almost every day for this Ironman because he prioritized it. He credits those things I mentioned before, lifestyle, nutrition, you know, even his mindset. And that's the stuff that, and the, the environmental stuff, the, the, you know, making sure your sleep's on point, all that kind of stuff. That's the stuff that is tough to control in studies. So you'll find studies on both ends of this, you know, oh yeah, cardio, terrible for you. If you're trying to gain muscle, cardio, great for you. You'll, you know, you'll see it on both sides. But at the end of the day, it's very, very much individualized and it's hard to control that the other intangibles. So that's the stuff we need to make sure is in, in check first. You know, when we, when we decide what our goals are, what are our goals? Okay, make sure lifestyle, nutrition, all that stuff's in check. And then we say, okay, can my body take on this added stress of lifting, running, all that kind of stuff. So figuring all that stuff out, you know, it's going to depend on the person. But for the most part, um, a good if if goal is building muscle um, Keith Barr he's a big time um, researcher for for tendon issues but he had a big literature review that showed basically he compiled all the data and he found that if your endurance training passes yep four days per week and then also if your vo2 max is consistently so how much oxygen um, your your muscles can take in basically if it stays above 80 percent of your maximum, then it can cause a big interference effect with muscle growth, all right? But if you do your couple days, you know, and, and ideally they're on separate days than your resistance training, and you don't really spike up the VO2 max, the heart rate, all that stuff pretty aggressively, there's a good chance you'll have a nice, nice, um, you know, marriage of the two. Uh, but once you start to surpass that and you do too much steady state, all that kind of stuff, now you're talking, all right, we might interfere and, and get in in the way of muscle building and growth. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm just going to go backwards just a little bit and talk about Nick's training. Cause I think it's worth talking about cause he talks so much shit about me. So I think it's time that I give it back. <laughs> so, um, when Nick says he does like some sprints, normally we think that's 10 minutes, 15 right, minutes. Not watching no, the whole time. no I, I, I can see you from everywhere, man. I got video cameras all over this place. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, I know that. outside and inside. And, this kid will go outside, he'll do sprints, he'll do skips, he'll do sleds, he'll skips do kettlebells. Okay, skips it's all in up. there. You can call all of it a warm-up, all you want, man. So he's out there for like legitimately an hour, because we only have two hours to work out during lunch. I say only two hours. That's plenty of time. Yeah. Sometimes but three. sometimes it's not enough for Nick, because he'll take the full three hours if he's, if he's on got sprint the days, time. On sprint days, I take the full three hours, because I'm, I'm wrestling a little bit. So this is, listen, so he comes in after an hour dripping sweat it's hot out. and then starts his resistance training sometimes it's not even hot out dude you just sweat crazy so 
So that, that's the first part of that. The second part of that is a story that I have to tell. And I remember Nick, Nick touched on this a little bit, but he didn't really kind of go into depth. With it. He talked about experimenting with a six on six. And I remember I looked up to him one day and I was like, I'm like, man, what's up? Like, he just didn't look right. He was off today. It's not normal for him. And he's like, I don't know. I just got a little headache, you know? And of course we're all like COVID, COVID, right? But it wasn't. I was like, Nick, you sure you're not overreaching, man? Like you've been doing a lot. He's like, no, nah, man, I'm not overreaching. It was just a warm up. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm like, I don't know, man. I think you're overreaching. Dude, literally two hours later, he comes up. He goes, do you think I'm overreaching? I was like, yeah, yeah dude. <laughs> I got him thinking. But the moral of the story there is he's now like leaving early. Like if he doesn't have to stay and work, he'll leave and he'll be like, I'm just going to go for a walk on the beach. Oh, you don't want to work out, Nick? Nah, no, nah, I'm good, man. So I think maybe he's starting to like see that the recovery is is helping instead of like on his on his rest day doing more sprints, you know? So, and I wouldn't necessarily do more sprints on my rest day, but I would, if I were here and I didn't have anything to do, I'm the type of person that would just do too much. And I, knowing that I just have to get out of here, yep. you know, and, and Chad's right. I mean, I've, I've flirted with that. Um, I know the whole overtraining thing is, is a, That's why I called it's it overreaching. Big, yeah. It's a big debate. It's a big debate. And overtraining is a real thing for sure. Uh, but it, it is a lot of people will talk about it like it's it's almost easy to get to. It, w- it would be tough to get to. Your body's going to have a lot of protective mechanisms in place before you get there. And that's what will happen. It'll t- try to talk to you and tell you, right? That's what I was dealing with. So I was dealing with those symptoms. I listened to the symptoms. And now I've scaled back. And I am very much, you know, I, I, cha- I kind of changed my goals probably a little too much just because I like to self-experiment. I like to try things out. So now if someone comes in and asks these questions like, oh, these are my goals, be like, cool, that was my goal for a month once. Um, <laughs> no, but a little bit more than a month. But I like to just experiment. For example, back in the spring, I decided, you know what? As a basketball player, there was a time when I was bouncy, not so bouncy right now. I want to get my bounce back up. So I just changed my training to work a ton on jumping and jump mechanics, all that kind of stuff. So um and that was really when I really got into sprinting. But nonetheless, now my goals are shifting back more towards muscle growth, which they were last winter, right? So over this summer, I was trying to get lean. My goal was to, because fat don't fly. Um, <laughs> I was trying to cut down, get my lowest body fat percentage. And when I was in college, um, my body fat was tested either my junior or senior year, I don't remember. But it was at 17% as a, as a college basketball player. That's not that good. There's There's some elite college basketball players out there that are operating at like three to five. And I would say the majority of division one, they're, they're sub 10 for sure. And then you get into division three, it might be, you know, up and down, but I was division three player and, and my, my body fat was bad. And that was cause, you know, I was scared of the weight room. I'll be honest with you. I didn't like it. Um, I just wanted to go play. And that has totally changed me. I love the weight room now. And I wanted to get to, the lowest body fat percentage I had ever been in terms of times I had measured. And I wanted to look really lean more so than in the winter I was, I wanted to bulk up. And that was my goal through the summer. I'm shifting back. It's bulking season coming up. So we might go on another bulk. I don't know, but I'm going to try to try to shift. Dude, back we to always bulk muscle. up in yeah. winter. What are you talking about? We're always, we're always what do you mean? Maybe. Um, but nonetheless, <laughs> goals can change, right? And like I said, mine waver a little too much, but don't be like me. Pick a goal, stick to a goal. And, you know, you should structure your schedule and your, your workload in that way, whichever, whatever coincides with your goals. But nonetheless, yes, Chad, I was doing too much. <laughs> I realized that. Thank you for pointing that out for me. 
um, I was starting to get the sense of it, but it, it was definitely the type of thing that, okay, now, now I see it. Now I realize, but sometimes you need people in your corner. That's why that's you, right. it's good to have a coach. It's good to have people that you train with, you work out with, because you may not be keen to pick up on those things, but the people around you absolutely will. They might say, oh yeah, something looks a little funny, that kind of stuff. So listen to them because they might be right. And it may help you in the long run, because if you are overreaching too much, Yes, you will hurt your gains long term. So that is that is absolutely true. But nonetheless, if you combine cardio, well, I hate the word cardio because like I said, it's just running, swimming, cycling for most people. If you combine quality conditioning with quality resistance training and your goal, like a lot of people's goal is to lean out, to lose, to, to manage their weight, to just look better. That's, I would say, a majority of people more so than just putting on muscle. That's their goal. We try to shift people's focus to, hey, look, I know you want to look good, but let's build muscle because that will help you look good. That's a big goal for us here. But if people want to look good, honestly, a lot of the research on when you combine the two, if it's the right dosage, that's the best way to to improve your body composition. Um, but lifting has to be the centerpiece of that because you've got to build muscle. But mix in, sprinkle on the conditioning. So keep that ice cream as the as the resistance training your toppings is your conditioning boom you're gonna be a machine that's awesome yeah and I, so i want to go back to where you were talking about Dude, you can't go back after that Come i on. know no, I'm you're, just right, you're right you're right i can't go i'm gonna go back, go back before go back. that though it wasn't about that because that was so <laughs> perfect um i want to talk about the overtraining really quick because i you you mentioned something that that was uh that was pretty important and it was earning the right and i think that a lot of people have to understand what that means because like you said, you know, they have to earn the right to be able to train the way that they do. Um, you can't just all of a sudden you're an untrained person and you decide to go all out like this guy that you read in a book or a magazine or online, whatever, uh, because you haven't earned that right. Your body hasn't been conditioned to be able to take that. And I think that kind of goes along with the whole, and, and we can make this another podcast maybe for another day, but overtraining, the overtraining controversy, because I believe that that, like you said, that's totally individualized on the person because there's so many different variables that go into overtraining. Like you said, sleep, diet, you know, their training program, what are they doing outside of the weight room? Because a lot of that is what contributes to the overtraining, not the training itself. I kind of like the term overreaching because it's like for you, it's like maybe you're just reaching a little too far because I wouldn't call it overtraining because I think you've earned that right to say that I can do this because I know my body can take it. But is it optimal for me to reach my goals? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. So I think that I wanted to touch on that really quick because I think earning the right is super important. And, you know, that goes, that can go for anything. So, I, I mean, I know that, and, and I'll go back to my like bodybuilding, you know, background because I'm a huge Branch Warren fan. And he's, he's always said, overtraining is bullshit. I mean, you've earned that right. You're a big human being. You can say that. You know, for somebody who only gets four hours of sleep, but his diet's on point and everything else is on point and he trains like a madman, he still looks huge. So will that work for everybody? No, it won't work for everybody. So I think you just have to find out what works for you. And and that's sometimes can be a little trial and error, like what you're doing. So that brings me to my next point. And I, I know this is going to be a topic of, of our next discussion. So there was research done and this actually, this research, um, this is like the first, is this the first research study that I've quoted? I think it <laughs> might be, actually. I, don't know. I, don't know. I feel so smart next to you now. So, uh, and you're writing stuff I know, today, I, dude. You're stressing dude, me Dude, I know. I, I'm just, normally you don't have a notebook. I know, He's got a I know, I know. I just, I, I want like to try to keep up with stuff. you. I feel like I'm lagging. So, I, I, I want to write something down. Where's my note? <laughs> you don't need one. It's all in your head, bro. So, in 2016, they did do a study. And the study, I believe it was 12 weeks as well. And they performed, these people performed 20 minutes 
of cardio. And I believe that this was steady state cardio because this is what they're referring to as cardio. Otherwise, they would have specifically stated it was like sprints or whatever. Prior to lifting weights, experience a significant decrease in their workout performance. They actually said that people average 15% fewer reps during their training following the cardio. So that just tells you how much it can have an impact on your performance. So this is not so much of a catabolic thing that we're talking about. I mean, actually, it could be because now you're getting less reps in, but it's more of a fatigue thing. So you're not maximally being able to perform your weightlifting because you're now performing less you know, reps. You're not able to probably lift as much because now you're, you don't have the energy to do so. So that brings me to my point with you when I was talking about like you're down doing an hour of cardio before you even get to your weightlifting session. Are you optimally benefiting yourself? Could you maybe change the time that you do your cardio or should people time their cardio with their weightlifting sessions? Yeah, I would honestly, if you have the capacity to do it, separate them. Uh, ideally, you, you would separate them by days. Maybe not. So there's some debate out there in terms of sprinting, right? Because it's a power-based movement. And a lot of, some people wouldn't even consider it cardio, but it is a form of conditioning because you are conditioning your, your um, you know, non-aerobic systems. So if you can separate it, separate it by like on the same day, separate it by hours. And I would do that. But when Chad is kind enough as an owner to give us two hours in the middle of the day, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to wake up an hour earlier because I am being on sleep too. You got to, you got to get your sleep. But, um, you know, I could, re I could restructure it and, you know, save my sprinting for the weekend where I can wake up in the morning, you know, sprint in the morning, go through my, my, the rest of my morning. And then in the afternoon at some point do my lifting. And I probably would have a better response for sure. I will say that with the whole sprinting more so when I, I got into, um, you know, I was definitely sprinting through the whole summer twice a week and it was, it was, each day was different. So they were both sp sprints outside, but one day, you know, I was focusing on accelerations. So I was doing a variety of skipping patterns into an acceleration. It was short distance. And then I was working on a little bit longer distance. So sprinting, um, you know, closer to a hundred meters kind of thing, hundred, 200 meters. And, uh, before that, it was the, the accelerations were 10 to 50 kind of thing. So it was, there was variety, but nonetheless, I was going right into, like you said, dripping wet, still, still kind of huffing and puffing from outside. So yeah, probably a little too much, but I did see my trap bar deadlift go up. Squat, a tad, it kind of stayed the same. I was able to kind of squeeze out a, a few, but I wasn't pleased with how they looked, kind of that kind of thing. So, but my trap bar deadlift go up and that's interesting because in sprinting, you're using a lot of those similar muscles, um, working on that kind of not necessarily same pattern because bilateral, but unilateral, but nonetheless, use a lot of the same muscles in a same kind of fashion. So that was cool to see that, but back to what Chad was saying before, I really, really in the last two years, optimized my overall health process and journey. So like he said, you got to earn the right or actually I said it first, but he copied me. Uh, <laughs> we both said, you got to earn the right. Yeah, health comes first. If this is your goal, put on muscle. All right, yeah, let's start you on some resistance training. But you got to earn the right to really, really push yourself, you know, and add a day. We're going to start you at, you know, two, three days a week at first. If you want to add that fourth, fifth day like we do, well, you got to get that, that other stuff in check. You know, um, I get a lot of crap nowadays because I go to bed so early. I used to go to bed way later. Luckily, my wife change me on that. I go to bed much earlier. I get probably almost two full more hours of sleep than I did in college. And that was huge. In college, a lot of times I felt like crap because I wasn't sleeping. Okay. So 
I didn't actually earn the right in college to be training the way I was training as a college athlete because I hadn't dialed in the sleep and nutrition side of things. So you got to earn that right from a health standpoint first and then pile that on. But yes, to Chad's question there, if you can separate them by hours, separate them by hours. If you can separate them by days, great. But what I didn't mention with the sprinting was if you're doing something that's more high intensity like that, some of the research, there's some indication that you should do it on the same day as your lift, but separated by hours. Because now if you were to say you were to lift Monday, Tuesday, and then you did high intensity conditioning type of thing on Wednesday, you're not giving yourself long enough periods of recovery from the activity that's biasing the same system. So like Chad said before, lifting, you know, resistance training is biasing a lot of your fast twitch fibers, same thing with sprinting. So if we're doing a lot of those every day of the week, okay, now I'm not getting as much time. That's why I like to do my steady state cardio on the rest day, because now I'm using a different system than I'm biasing with my resistance training. You're still using the other systems, just not as much with resistance training. So, you know, have some variety to your schedule, um, work all the systems, and then you're going to, everything's going to work better as a result. I kind of think, did I answer your question in a convoluted way? I think, I think, you, did. I think you did. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to piggyback off that though, because I believe that there is that fine line between, you know, burning calories and burning muscle. And I think that like Nick was saying, you have to find that line for you. It's very individualized um, because you and your friend could have the same program, but your friend could respond differently than you. And that's just how it is. That's called life genetics, whatever you want to call it. That's just what it is. So I would say for most people, obviously in an ideal world, if we could separate our conditioning or slash cardio workout from our training, that's ideal. Now, do we all have that benefit? No. I mean, not every one of us can go to the gym twice a, a day, you know, and, and split up the workouts by hours or even by days. Not everybody actually works in a facility where they can do that like us. So we're pretty fortunate and spoiled um, to be able to, you know, work in a setting where if Nick wants to do kettlebell swings at 10 o'clock in between patients, he'll do that. And he's done that. And I, I do do that, right? Like I do a hundred <laughs> swings a day and um, I'll do them throughout. It's not part of my work and I just do it. And it takes me two and a half minutes, I think. Um, that's just something I do for mental health, uh, mental challenge, really. Yeah, it's still a form of cardio. A little though. grip strength, I guess. Yeah. And I'm tapping in. I'm, I'm just probably tapping into my aerobic system by the time I hit 100. Before that, I'm hitting the others. But it's not like I'm doing multiple reps of it. It's the one I've been doing it for a while now. So my body and, and every day I change it. So I change the variations. So, um, you know, I change the, the stance, the grips, single, double, that kind of stuff. And funny enough, I used to have Chad needle my hips pretty much every that's couple true. weeks. Yeah, that's true. And I would say since doing that, I really haven't had much of an issue with that, um, which is pretty cool. So that that's more, I'll call that my rehab. I'll call that my rehab. But I also wanted to... Um, Go back to which I was saying, try to separate them. If you aren't fortunate enough to separate them, what is best to do? It depends on your goal. There is some study studies out there that do show if you do resistance training first, so you're kind of fresh and then follow it up with cardio, you have a better response. Uh, it's tough. There's also some on the opposite. Um, it, it really depends what you're doing. And if you're doing something like sprints, and then uh, your resistance training, you probably want to do sprints first because we don't want you getting hurt doing doing the uh, the sprints second because it is pretty intense if you're going all out. Um, so that would be something you do first. If it's steady state, the research is indicating that it doesn't matter that much. But in my mind, 
my mind goes to what's my body, what's, what's the last stimulus my body got? That's what's going to be most prevalent. So I would say resistance training second. If you were doing steady state first and you didn't have time, you had to do them both, cram them both in. I would say probably cardio, then resistance. So the last stimulus your body got was testosterone, growth hormone, all the good stuff that mu- allows muscles to grow. But it's up in the air. It kind of depends on what your preference is. But if you can avoid it, just avoid it. If if growth is if muscle growth is your goal, just just and you have to pick between the two, do some resistance training. Yeah, sure. and this whole podcast was was really based off. I know we're kind of diving off a little bit here, but it was based off of can you still build muscle while doing cardio? And the answer is yes. But you know, obviously everybody has these questions, and we know what these questions are because we hear them all the time. You know, but in a perfect world, if if muscle building is your goal. And you're planning on doing like moderate to high intensity cardio, which is going to be steady state training and moderate to high intensity could be like 30, 45, 60 minutes. It's probably best to perform those on separate days. So maybe you did your cardio on Monday and then you did training on Tuesday and, and vice versa. They've actually done studies on this and found that actually this one was a particular study that I actually liked because it involved bicep workouts and I love biceps. So that that's what triggered me on this one. So, but they actually found that untrained lifters who perform 30 minutes of moderate intensity cycling 24 hours after a bicep workout as opposed to immediately after so they separated by a day they actually had almost a twofold increase in muscle hypertrophy it's kind of wild so i mean if if that's really your main goal then you really should be separating it and and they do say that if you can't separate it by day then you really should be giving yourself about six hours in between your training session and your cardio session. That's um, that's not an actual study, Chad. Actually, that's his his own individual study. <laughs> he has a stationary bike in his basement, and when before he does bicep curls, he does twenty four hours prior. He does some cycling. That's why his biceps are so big. Yeah, it's not even a cycling bike; it's a recumbent bike, so I can be comfortable. <laughs> You cycle 24 hours later, you do bicep curls, and all the while you're eating a lot of food. You have, If you want to grow muscle, you got to eat. Actually, I just do that every day. I just do bicep curls every day. It's totally cool. <laughs> I, you could. He, yeah, you train your body to do that. You could do it. That's right. That's right. So what else we got? Is that pretty much covered or what? That's it. I mean, I think in, in we talked about a lot. We went on a lot of different times. I know. I know. So like you said, can you do both? Absolutely. But it has to be in the right amount. If you do too much, yes, it's going to hurt your gains. If you do too little, it could hurt your overall fitness. That's not always great either. Um, so, you know, if you want to do both, you have to find the right balance. We kind of gave you some examples about what you could do to to help find that balance, separate by days, that kind of stuff. Um, if you're having more questions, you can always reach out. We'd love to help. But just remember, conditioning provides that base, you know, that allows you to the other systems to function better, your endocrine system, your muscular system, your cardiovascular system, all those systems function better with, you know, activity that's considered endurance training or conditioning to an extent so that stuff provides your base so your base will get stronger the foundation stronger you can build off of that much better so doing it to some extent is great but you don't want to overdo it don't don't overkill it perfect yeah i think that pretty much sums it up so what do we have coming up next episode we've got another guest speaker coming on we got my buddy mike demille mike demille is one of my classmates uh from pt school we actually we were um roommates and undergrad as well great guy he just opened his own clinic in the boston area and he is a big he's actually i think if not the youngest one of the youngest people to become what's called prc so pri postural restoration institute it's an organization that is growing vastly um and they are huge into breathing positional stuff all that kind of kind of good stuff so 
Mike's going to come talk with us about that. He is uh, was became certified in that that um, technique and that group. Very very young. He was way into it in school. So super motivated. Great guy. He's going to come talk to us, and it'll be a good one. Yeah, I'm 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 anxious to learn a little bit about it too because I'm I'm not holding to the PRI stuff. So it, it'll be good to hear what he has to say. He's super smart. He's one of those guys that. He was so into this stuff in school that it almost hurt him getting through school because he was more advanced than the rest of us. You know, he was beyond what school was teaching us and he was beyond what we were getting tested on. So it was almost hurting him because he wasn't. Yeah, me too. He wasn't focusing (laughs) on the base. That's a good example. Actually, Mike wasn't, he, he wasn't doing any conditioning. He was only, he was only doing the, the strength training. So his foundation was a little wobbly. So do a little bit of conditioning. And all he had to do was just refine that, that base. And he got through, though. So he, he had enough to do. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll definitely be looking forward to that next week. So stay tuned for that. Moral of the story today. Let's face it. Cardio is hardio. <laughs> it sucks. But it's also beneficial, right? So, I mean, there are so many great benefits to cardio. Do yourself a favor and don't believe the myth that cardio hurts your gains. Just make sure that you're doing the right kind of cardio at the right time, it can only help you. Thank you for joining us in The Rack this week. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. You can also find us online at ProFormPTMA.com or on social media at ProFormPTMA. And remember, if you train inside the rack, you better be thinking outside the rack.